Welcome back to the Exponential Leader podcast series, episode three already. And in today's episode, digitization shifts your world from scarcity to abundance. Digitization shifts your world from scarcity to abundance. We're going to learn a whole lot of new things today. And I want to encourage you to stay on track with this podcast series. It's going to really open up a whole new world of understanding. If you're a business owner, your corporate career, you're a pastor, leader, I really want to encourage you to work through this podcast series because it's really going to shift and challenge some areas of your thinking. And in today's episode, we're going to have a look at why digitization shifts your world from scarcity to abundance. Come on, let's get straight into today's episode. I'll see you on the other side of this. Episode three today, digitization shifts your world from scarcity to abundance. And last week, we had a look at the fact that digitization now takes our world from a scarcity model to an abundance model. And what does that mean? What does it mean to go from scarcity to abundance? What does digitization do? Why Why do I say that? Scarcity used to equal value. If you look at a linear world, a physical world, remember we looked last week at our producer economy. We then looked at, it then emerged into the consumer economy, the introduction of the internet, the introduction of online shopping, where today we now have the creative economy. All the videos you watch, all the stuff you consume, all the different content you consume. It's called the creative. Somebody had to create that content for you to consume, the creative economy. But in the old model, old business model, old world, scarcity used to equal value. So if you were an expert or you had knowledge that was available in the four walls of a building in a certain location, you had to travel to that place to get access to it, a doctor or a accountant or a lawyer, or you had to go to a library to get certain information. Scarcity used to equal value. And information was scarce and advice was scarce. In the scarcity model, one had to drive to the library, like I said, to find an abundance of information or go to the expert for advice or consultation. Scarcity drove a company or a person's value. So the more scarce your information was, the more valuable you became. And you got paid in relation to that value. Now, it hasn't changed totally from that, but digitalization has changed the rules. So it's no different when it comes to the church or to your business or to your service you're offering, the products you have in your four walls of your business. So the pastor's sermon, when you look at the church, it was scarce because there was no access to hear it unless you were in the church to listen to it. So the praise and worship was scarce as you had to be in the church to consume it. We even named our Christmas and Easter weekend services in the church the Christmas and Easter productions because someone is producing it. Now, we haven't stopped producing that, but the access to that was only available in a physical world. You couldn't access that unless you had a television company there at a very high expense. But today you can actually watch all church productions online. You can sit in your house and what is being produced for people in the building can also be enjoyed by people outside the building. So it's gone from scarcity to an abundance. So this operated on the scarcity model when you only had a physical access to something because of small groups of faithful volunteers and staff that would spend long hours when it comes to the church production, each year preparing and producing the productions in order for the members and the public to come and to consume. You see, without scarcity, you did not have a business model. Scarcity of service or product is what made the consumer drive to a physical location to buy or benefit from it. That was the scarcity model. But technology has shifted value to an abundance model. So with the arrival of technology, the business model shifted from scarcity to an abundance. So no longer did I have to drive to the library for an abundance of information. 
I could simply Google it anytime, anywhere for free. And the, the rules forever changed. In the past, the expert was the only person who knew the answer. But now, everyone is able to become an armchair Google expert because the information has become abundant. So it's moved from scarcity to abundance. When it comes to the church, members could begin to stream services online, which would make the praise and worship and the sermon available abundantly. So I'm no longer forced to drive to a physical location for a sermon. Now, don't shut me down again and say, are you saying that the online world is better? No, I'm not saying it's better. I'm saying it's available in abundance. People can consume it throughout the week. You miss church, you can watch it on Tuesday or Wednesday or Monday, Sunday night, whatever. You can, it's abundantly available. You can watch it a week later, a month later. You're not limited to the, the hour and a half slot inside that building. Digitization has shifted things from a scarcity model to an abundance model. With the abundance model, it is not only the pastor's sermon that's available in abundance, but every other pastor's sermon worldwide that now also becomes available or available and abundantly available for everyone's members to consume in their homes. This is the new challenge that churches face worldwide. Suddenly, where your member was committed to you driving to your church or your, your client, your customer was committed to you because that's where they bought their products or services. Now suddenly the guy's on his phone and somebody says, just click here and we'll deliver it to your house. And why wouldn't I want to do that? It's abundantly available. So he clicks, gets great service from that company and just that stops buying from you who only has a physical world. So again, it's important to understand why you need to shift from a scarcity model to an abundance model. Now, the scarcity model doesn't disappear. You still have to offer that product or service if it's a physical product, but how available is it through digitization? So please note, the production and consumption model does not disappear because of technology, but simply moves from being scarce in a physical location to being abundantly available online and on everyone's mobile device. This in itself will serve as a disruption to churches and pastors and businessmen and companies who are uninformed or slow to change. I often share the Nokia Navtech story because I come from a cellular background, so it maybe resonates more with me when I was, before ministry, I was in the cellular industry. And in 1987, Nokia began producing mobile phones. Did you know that, for a little bit of a side note, that Nokia actually was a shoe company. They used to make shoes. But then Ericsson, Finland and uh, Sweden are very two competitive countries. They compete against each other quite a lot. And backstory again, when I went to Nokia's head office years ago when I won an incentive prize, I learned that Finland was owned by Sweden and they had a war and they fought for the independence and then Finland became a country all by itself. So this war began, consumer war, sport war, different things. Finland and Sweden have these healthy competitions against each other. But then Sweden launched Ericsson mobile phones So Nokia said, we can't be left behind. So the Nokia shoe company eventually started producing cell phones and it took off and they eventually became the largest cell phone company in the world. It would seem that Nokia was unstoppable. Like I said, I won an incentive prize to Nokia and I saw firsthand what the largest cell phone company on the planet looks like. And the other players in the market like Ericsson and Siemens had their market share, but they could never really match up to Nokia's market dominance. So in 2007, fast forward a few years later, Apple CEO Steve Jobs launches the first iPhone into the market and to the dominant Nokia company, the iPhone was merely another competitor in the market that would never really be able to impact Nokia in any way, or so they thought. What Nokia never understood or realized was that although the iPhone was another competitor in the market, 
it was a phone that was connected to the internet. iOS stands for Internet Operating System. So Steve Jobs had digitized the mobile phone. So Nokia phones operated on their own scarcity model of operating systems that had to be upgraded in a store, unlike Apple's iOS or Internet Operating System. As I said, I was in the cellular industry before ministry, and I had a Nokia repair desk, and we would download the software of this type of phone. For those older folks that listen, you used to have Nokia 5110s, and those 5110s were very popular, but now they had a certain software. But that software was scarce because Nokia had their own software. I would download the software from Finland via the internet, take me a while, and then you would bring your mobile phone into the store, give it to me, I would then book it in, and I would then leave it overnight because I had 20, 30 phones sometimes per day. I'd plug it into the back of your phone, and then I would upgrade your software because it was a scarcity model. And that's how the cellular industry operated initially in our country. So Siemens then had their own software. Ericsson had their own software. You had to go to a store to upgrade your software, which today people go, that's crazy. How did you? But that was the scarcity model until Steve Jobs comes along. And what does he do? He says, no, I'm not going to let you have to go into an Apple store to upgrade your software. What you can do is just push a button saying refresh or upgrade and the internet is going to send you the software. Now, game changer. And how this dominant company, Nokia, never saw the shift. They never saw this potential disruption that's going to affect them because they thought it's just another opposition, like a, a pastor in a church. We just, we're the biggest church in town. Digitization allows people to access ministries, access pastors' sermons, access uh, discipleship content at the click of a button. And I don't say everyone's going to run off now and leave the church. I say... Churches that understand the need to digitize companies, they have the ability to reach other people after hours through digital devices. So the market loved the abundance model uh, of the ease of updates when it came to the Apple iPhone. And digitization made Apple smartphones, made Apple phones smartphones because it did not require an expert to update it. So remember, I was the expert. I was the Nokia expert or the Nokia software expert. I didn't make the phone, but I upgraded the software. So I would be seen as a Nokia expert. But now, that's the name smartphone because the phone became smart. You, the, the owner of the phone, is not that smart, but the phone was smart because it could upgrade, update itself. And then they started to introduce apps later on, et cetera, et cetera. So the internet operating system sent the software upgrade to you digitally. So Nokia's inability to see the shift was the beginning of the end for them. And as a result, Nokia experienced a digital tsunami of once loyal consumers moving en masse to iPhones. So we see that they started to move en masse to iPhones. And it wasn't as if I believe I was an ardent Nokia user. And I don't believe that people disliked Nokia. It was just that Apple made telephony easier. It made it abundantly available, so people moved there. Then later on, Samsung started to emerge in the market, and people moved there, Android, etc. Today, it's just common practice that, oh, you upgrade your phone. But that wasn't how it originally started. And today, what is normal for us wasn't normal a few years ago. And today, what is normal today is not going to be normal a few months and years from now because digitization is continually improving and making things simpler for people. So in a few short years after the iPhone's release, um, Nokia was teetering on the brink of failure. What an amazing story. Still at this stage, Nokia directors did not understand the need to digitize their phones in an attempt to get ahead of the market and thinking that they would outsmart the competitors once again. So they felt the next move would be the move to GPS or global 
positioning system. Now, we don't even know it as GPS. We just know it as Waze or Google Maps or it's just uh, it's common practice. Push a button on your phone and tells you exactly where you are. It uses the internet on your the data on your phone to tell you where you are, the global positioning system. And you set up your your route and it just sends it there. But days gone by, you had to own a separate GPS device, a, a TomTom or a Garmin that was the two main players in the market at the time. So Nokia decides that they're going to go to this market because they didn't see Apple as disrupted us now, but we think we can, we can at least outsmart them when it comes to GPS. So they then go and decide to buy the Navtech GPS towers around the world in 2008 for a staggering $8 billion US dollars. So this was one year after the release of the iPhone in 2007. So the principle was exactly the same. And as with their mobile phone department, a Garmin GPS owner or TomTom GPS owner would purchase a, a physical device at a store and use the GPS in their vehicles. Older folks would know you had to put it on your dashboard of your car and you would then have to go to the store again to upgrade it. If, they, if it was a new road or things would change, they would, you'd have to go and update it on some computer in some store where you bought it. So it's the scarcity model again. So the same applied to the Navtech tower where the GPS signal would be transmitted from. The Navtech technicians would have to physically service the towers by literally climbing up the tower every time they wanted to update the software. So Navtech towers were functioning on the scarcity model of operation and only the expert could update the software. So in the meantime, whilst Nokia was trying to recover from the bloodbath in the cellular market by attempting to enter the dom and dominate the GPS market, three young app developers in Israel were busy developing an app called Waze. In 2007, Waze went live on the Apple App Store. And what was the difference between Waze and the physical Garmin GPS? Waze was a digital GPS app on a smartphone connected to the internet that became abundantly available to everyone who had a mobile phone. So think about that. Let's say there's 10 million cell phones, for example, Apple phones, example, and there's 500,000 Garmin GPSs. Suddenly, they develop an app. They launch the app. The app is a GPS disruptor. And everybody who's got a mobile phone without having to buy the physical device just clicks on the app and bam, they've got GPS instantly. So Waze went from where Garmin was a million or let's say 500,000 in our example of physical devices Waze had, could have 10 million downloads because everybody with a mobile phone could download that app. So Waze digitized GPS. Waze had digitized the GPS market and entered the abundance model of allowing users to use GPS on their mobile phones and not be dependent upon the Navtech towers. So the updates of the app happened digitally using Wi-Fi or using data. Now, Nokia was about to have its final nail driven into its coffin yet again, simply for not understanding the impact of digitizing a product or service. On the 25th of April 2014, only seven years after the release of the iPhone, Nokia was bought out by Microsoft to avoid bankruptcy. Think about that. The largest cell phone company in the world never saw the shift to digitization and went bankrupt. The once untouchable giant in the mobile phone and GPS market was brought to its knees by the digital stone of Apple and Waze. We know the story. When David killed Goliath, he cut off its head to avoid Goliath returning, and Nokia has never really returned at all to what it was before. I included that amazing yet heartbreaking story to illustrate the reality of a market leader not being able to understand the disruptive power of digitizing an industry, a product or a service, and being swept away by the digital tsunami. Hence, that's why the Spotcast series is why I'm spending some time and unlocking some of these stories so that you can understand that once large behemoth 
market-dominating organizations were brought to their knees by three young guys developing an app in a garage in their parents' home. But once they uploaded it to the app store, it became abundantly available because of digitization. So it's therefore important to understand that an experiential organization is about managing abundance through digitization and not controlling scarcity. I want to repeat that statement. An experiential organization is about managing abundance through digitization and not controlling scarcity because we're used to controlling scarcity. So many people come to my building and so many people sit on the seats and so I control that service. That's the old way of doing it only. Now, yes, it's important to come and sit there, but what if they don't sit there? What if a, another church down the road or another church in another country is offering a great service and they start to enjoy what that church has to offer because they, they expose their church in their homes or on their mobile phones and they say, well, we're just going to start attending this church because we find it better than the one we're going to because we find what they're offering we like. So they were introduced to it through digital platforms. Now, if you're not digitally offering your church service or your company's products or services, somebody else is. And Nokia never saw the shift or the need to shift. They eventually ended up seeing bankruptcy because they didn't see the need to change. So it's an information-based world that drives us to that abundance. So what about the church? And as we come to the conclusion of this episode today, what about the church? What about your business? What about your physical world? Much like Nokia, the iPhone, I don't believe the once loyal Nokia customers became disloyal to the Nokia brand by choice, but rather were left with very little option to move across to the iPhone brand simply because Apple was able to offer them the same tele telephone call as Nokia did, but with the optional convenience of not having to rely on an expert or scarcity model for a better user experience. I believe that if Nokia understood the impact of digitization and was able to transition its product and service to the digital space, a vast majority of Nokia users would have remained with Nokia. It was not a brand or a loyalty issue, but rather a better way of doing it issue. The same goes for the church. I believe that many pastors will end up losing good, loyal, and committed members to other churches or lose them to their members staying at home purely because they, like the Nokia CEOs, never saw the need to digitize their churches or many people lose good, loyal customers because they just don't have a digital option. And those people don't want to necessarily leave them. They just find it easier to use a service. So I don't believe that these once loyal members of a church want to leave a church, but they can be swayed to move to another church that offers them abundance or a hybrid combination of physical and digital Christianity. Now, we might criticize it. Remember, I told you the immune system sometimes will kick in. So with abundance comes user autonomy. And the, the dictionary describes the word autonomy as independence of freedom or the will of one's actions. And next week, we're going to have a look at what is user autonomy. What happens when we go from scarcity to abundance? And how do we now have to position our churches to offer our members, our customers, our this is one of the most key elements of this whole series, is understanding digital user autonomy. What does it mean? What does it mean? And why must you shift your mind around your business model, your leadership understanding of this? We look at this next week. What does it mean? With abundance comes user autonomy. And we're going to have a look at that. This is going to shift so many paradigms in your mind. Watch. I'm really excited to see what's going to be happening in the next few episodes. Hey, listen. Have an amazing week. Come on, re-listen to this again. Make notes. Start to ask the Holy Spirit, how do I implement this stuff? Start to ask the Holy Spirit to show you elements of your physical world, your scarcity model. How can we start to transition? Remember we're talking about how to position and transition yourself for 10 times digital growth. And this is why this podcast series exists. So come on, 
believe the Holy Spirit in your physical world. How do I add digital services, expertise to my world? And watch what's going to happen. God is going to show you some creative ways and you're going to start to pivot and shift and you're going to start to ride the digital wave and not be knocked over by the wave of digital tsunamis. You're going to ride it and go into a great future, an overflowing, supernatural acceleration of future. Come on. Hey, listen, have an amazing week. Awesome, awesome time with you uh, today as well. And can't wait to be with you next week. See you next week. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.